everyone, it's me, Future Blue. Hi, welcome to Ink Tank. Uh, this is a little segment I'm doing to talk to you about some things because uh, I'm going to, I know this is only the second episode, but I'm going to, uh, as they say, part the kimono a little bit. Um, so the episode you're about to hear was recorded uh, like January 22nd of 2018. Um, it's currently May, so it's been quite a long time since this episode was recorded. It very much, these first handful of episodes are very much first episodes of a podcast. I didn't really know what I was doing. I hadn't really figured out my format yet like I have now. Um, so I just beg you to please be patient and hang in there and bear with us through these first couple episodes. They have their moments, I promise. Um, they all have some really great moments and and some bits and pieces. And there's lots of good information and fun facts. And just I have some of the most adorable guests ever who gush about their favorite movies. And it's just really fun and cute. You know, there's some moments where it gets kind of slow and some weird audio things. Um, and me not really knowing how to host a podcast of this type where I interview people. And also me forgetting to do credits and stuff. Um, so uh, I'm at the end, I'm going to tag on some extra like credits and things I forgot to say especially about like my Patreon and whatever. Uh, that also being said, the episode you're about to hear, I was really, really sick when we recorded this episode. Um, I had tonsillitis and strep throat for the second time that school year. <laughs> um, so I was also in the library because the Wi-Fi in my room at school was really, really bad. Um, so if it sounds like I have cotton balls in my mouth and I'm also talking really quietly and like an ASMR or NPR reporter, that's why. Um, so, um, thank you guys for your patience, um, and for listening to my podcast. It means so much to me. Ink Tank has really become my baby. Um, it's just a hobby for me. I, I don't have any intention of making any kind of profession out of it, but it's still a lot of fun to do. And, um, I, I just really thank you guys for supporting me and supporting my friends and, just being here and celebrating in this joy and positivity and this love for this kind of art form with me. Um, so thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed this very, very good episode. My friend Parker is adorable. And um, so, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Ink Tank, an enthusiast podcast about animated feature films. My name is Lily and joining me today is my good friend Parker. Say hi, Parker. Hello. Hello. Um, Parker, what movie are we going to be talking about today? Today we are going to be talking about one of my favorite movies ever, uh, Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul, based on the Guardians of Gahul series. Cool. Um, some facts about this movie. It came out on September 24th of 2010. Um, it was directed by Zack Snyder, who is known for uh, Wonder Woman and the Justice League and Man of Steel. So some good things, some not. Um, uh, this movie got a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 7 out of 10 on IMDb, a 4 out of 5 on Common Sense Media, and 93% of Google users like this movie. So we can tell that uh, critics didn't think it was super great, but the general public seems to really enjoy it. Um, it made uh, $140 million in the box office, which is impressive. Um, and yeah, that's all I have to say. So, um, Parker, why don't you give us like a basic rundown of the plot of the movie? Okay, sure. So, uh, the plot of the movie 
Uh, it's about owls, in case you couldn't gather from the title of the movie being Owls of Gahul. But um, there's uh, an owlet named Soren, who is a barn owl, and he is obsessed with these legends about uh, the guardians of Gahul, which are kind of... Uh, well, they're guardians, I guess. Uh, they're they're like <laughs> fighters for freedom, and you know they're like every kid's favorite s- story to hear when they're when they're a kid. So he grows up with his brother Clud and his sister Eglantine, and while uh, he and his brother Clud are training, uh, they're they're branching, they're learning to fly because they're super young. Soren starts like showing off or whatever, and he's always like pretending. He's kind of like the imaginative kid who really puts himself out there and Clegg kind of, he's a really, I don't know how to describe it. He, he has a rivalry, <laughs> I guess. He's, he, yeah. he seems jealous. And so he like pushes Soren out of the tree and he falls and they both get captured and taken to what they call St. Ajolius's Academy for Orphaned Owls, which is actually dun, 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 a... I don't even know what to call it. It's not even. It's not an academy. <laughs> it's they capture owls that fall or just capture them in general. I guess it's basically slavery. Yeah, yeah. So they took particular interest in Soren and Clud because they're barn owls. They're Titos. They have this complex that Titos are the purest form of owls, and they are to be ruling over everyone else. So they're brought to. St. Aggie's, as they call it in the books. They don't go by that in the movies, but uh, they go to St. Aggie's and they are sort of trained. Clud decides to abandon Soren uh, and train with the pure ones while Soren attempts to escape with his new friend Gilfi that he made, who also got captured. And Gilfi and Soren run off. Clud stays. They find two more owls. They reach the guardians and they fight the pure ones in the end. It's all that kind of good, good versus evil battle stuff happening, and yeah, so that's that's basically it. Cool. Um, something I forgot to mention that I always forget to mention is that uh, this is a Warner Brothers movie, and it's also uh, Warner Brothers distributed it, but the production companies were um, Village Roadshow Pictures, who's known for like the Matrix and uh, the Ocean series and the Lego movie. Uh, and then the animation company was Animal Logic, which they're known for Happy Feet and Moulin Rouge and also Lego Movie. Um, so, yeah, there's just some information. Yeah, quite the resume. So uh, let's start with ask- me asking you, um, why do you love this movie? What about it makes you excited or happy or, you know, what? why is it great in your um, opinion? This is about to get adorable because um, <laughs> I was a really really young child when i watched this movie i guess i wasn't that young i was 12 when this movie came out uh i had just seen the trailer for the movie and my brother seemed into it like i think he might have read the book or something i i that part is missing from my memory but uh for some reason i started reading the books right as soon as i saw the trailer and i had just finished the first book or two when the movie came out so i was super hyped because I already loved the characters, and I also had just started like drawing my own characters and developing my own stories. So it was really important to me when I was first forming my my creative thoughts and being an artist. So 
why I love this movie. I feel like well, whenever I talk about this movie to my friends, I get super overhyped about it, and I totally overplay <laughs> it, and I make them watch it with me. And I'm sure. like, you sit down, you have to watch this movie. It's the best movie ever. And I know that I'm overhyping it and everything. I, I sing its praises so much. Um, but I think I'm kind of justified in that because just like not not only as like a as a child with an imagination, but as now as an animation student and like as a story writer, it, it still like really impresses me as a movie. So yeah, I think it's just really important to me because it really spoke to me when I was first forming my ideas, and now it's a really big inspiration for me. I love that. That's that's great. <laughs> Thank you. I told you it was gonna get adorable. Yeah, I, that is really adorable. Um, I yeah, honestly, I don't. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, so even if you do did and do overhype it, you know, I it met all of my expectations. Wonderful. That makes me very happy. You know what I'm saying? Like all the stuff that you told me about and like the things that made me excited to see it were definitely there. Awesome. Um, I was not disappointed. So I'm glad I didn't I'm glad I didn't kill it then with my <laughs> with no, my enthusiasm. No, definitely not. Um in fact your enthusiasm made me want to see it even more. I, I don't know, but that's just who I am as a person. Like when I see someone else get excited about a thing, I'm like, well, there's obviously a reason that you're excited about this thing. So I want to see why you're excited about it. I was very excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fine. I, I enjoyed getting to share this with you. So um, let's get into thoughts and feelings about this movie. So, um, you know, both of us enjoyed this. So it's going to be hard to put bias aside. But I think we should try to do our best to just kind of objectively speak about this movie. So um, I think one of the first things we can talk about, is, even just from the very top of the movie, is how beautiful this movie is. Like, Oh, my goodness. It it's really, just really, visually such a treat. It does blow know? me away. It always has and always will. Yeah, like I think, I mean, the music is also very beautiful. I loved the music for this movie as a music student. I thought it was just spectacular the score was was wonderful i'd like to watch it again and do a closer like analysis on because you know i was like consuming a lot of <laughs> like a lot of things at once and like taking in the plot and the voice acting and the animation and you know i'd like to go back and focus on the score a little bit um to give it a, another analysis but on first watch having never seen the movie um just uh, this movie was so stunningly beautiful like from moment one, you know, it's just colors and the detail and... The textures and the movement and... Yeah. Just every, like, literally everything. Like, I can't, I cannot explain how impressive it is to watch this movie as an animation student. Like, right. from, from that perspective, it is incredible. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think I could probably watch this movie with no sound and just like have it playing in the background you know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> At, like a, so just to have the the images there it's just so spectacularly beautiful like and uh i think i said something about like i have not seen with my own two eyes a movie this beautiful i probably since kubo which it was a movie that came out in 2017 as a stop motion like a animated film which i saw in theaters three times i paid 
twice to see. I saw it once for free and I loved it so much I paid twice to go back and see it again, which I don't do because I'm a poor college student and I can't afford <laughs> movie tickets. So like this was just such a, it was such a visual treat. Um, also the voice acting was spectacular. Yeah. Yes, it uh, definitely is. Uh, as a aspiring voice actor, um, some of the voices were just so like, th- I can't describe them in any other way except like yummy. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you know it, what I mean, though? But right? I do. I do know what you mean because, like, I, I having my own characters and everything. I I have like voices that I imagine them to have, and I imagine sure. what good voice acting would sound like for those characters. And it is yummy in this movie. It is <laughs> yummy to look at the characters and hear the voices. They work really well together, and it's just good voice acting in general. So they did really, really well with that. No, I agree. I think sometimes in animated movies, they'll like cast a famous person. Um, like that's one of my biggest complaints. I mean, there's a lot of things I could complain about with Frozen, but that's one of my biggest complaints with Frozen is that like I, as a musical theater person, am very familiar with Idina Menzel's voice. And so seeing her voice on Elsa was just so I could not see Elsa and hear Idina Menzel. It just didn't work for me. Yeah, I, I get um, what you mean. I, I didn't have that problem. I didn't know who Idina Menzel was, but right. But I, I get that. But you know what I'm saying, though? Like, I didn't have that, even though I did recognize some of these voices, like I knew I recognized Helen Mirren, like right off the bat, but it didn't, it was not weird for me. Um, Helen Mirren plays Nira, by the way. Oh, oh my God, Naira. Oh, I love her. Naira, yeah. Oh, I love her. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna, that's, that I'll, was save, I'll save my character gushing for when we talk about that. <laughs> well, we can actually talk about that now if you want. Um, oh, awesome. We can go through and talk about the characters. So um, you would be, you're probably much better at pronouncing the names than I am. Yeah, probably. I, I read the books and watched the movie like seven times, so I, I, I'm probably, <laughs> I probably have a good grip on it. So yeah, I wrote some stuff down about most of the characters. Um, I could go into Soren and Clud right off the bat, but... I have a lot to say about Soren and Clud, so I'm going to leave that for just a minute. Uh, the next character I have anything about is Naira, because Naira is amazing. In the books, she was certifiably insane. Like, she did some really, really messed up stuff. And it doesn't really surprise me that they cut most of that out for the movie, because they actually toned down the violence a considerable amount. But um, <laughs> But they still kept her... As like this like devilishly deviant and cool character who's totally intimidating but collected, and that is my favorite thing in the whole world. Like that is the coolest thing ever. So she was a favorite for me. Yeah, I think I I love her design when when she showed up. I think the first yeah. thing I said was like, "Hey, she's really beautiful." Yeah, that wow. is the first thing you said to me about Naira, and I I agree. Um, in in the books, I'm pretty sure. They their appearance didn't vary much. Like they just stuck to whatever the the real life owl looked like. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, they they did a lot with the character designs and made them a lot more interesting. Because like it kind of would have been a little boring if they just like kept everyone looking like an actual owl. Because right. then you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between some characters. Like uh, right. Jut and Jat, the ones that kidnapped Clyde and Soren, they mm-hmm. are they're long eared owls and they look identical in the books because they're long-eared owls but they inverted the color schemes on each of them in the movie so you could tell which one was which which i thought was really cool that is really cool i loved their their banter back and forth yeah i actually specifically i noted that too 
I they character they were characterized really really well. Um, they they probably did well with them in the book too, but I haven't read it since sixth grade, so uh, <laughs> the movie is what sticks out in my mind, and I think that they they did fantastic with Judd and Jet. Yeah, I definitely agree. All the little bits of like saying an intimidating thing or giving a mean-eyed stare and then looking at the other one and being like, how was that? Was that any good? Yeah. Did I do yeah. all right? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, buddy, you did great. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> then this, this scene where they're flying into St. Aggie's with them in their, claw, in their claws and they run into Grimble and they try using it on him and he's like, is something wrong with your face? And like, he's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. All right, who do you want to, do you want to talk about your kids? Oh, my kids. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um. Again, I have Sora and Clud, but there there is yet more characters to discuss. I'll <laughs> try a lot of I'll, characters. There, there is. I'll try to keep it brief for each one because I I know I could go off, but I won't because I have a lot to say. So my favorite character in the whole movie is Digger because Digger is hilarious. He's so energetic and he's super super tiny, and I just love him. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard to explain because he he isn't very focused on in the movie mm-hmm. at all but i just love his character i think he's super fun super cute um twilight is awesome i think twilight is my dad is what i think <laughs> and mrs p is super nice like she always is the snake grimble the traitor to saint aggies what do i mm-hmm. say about you Jeez. oh oh actually i did have something about that um i liked that they kept his story the way it was like i was kind of worried that they would change it because it was kind of it was a little bit morbid how they like kidnapped his family and probably killed them without him knowing and then yeah. told him that they'd be fine if they if he worked for them. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that they kept that and I really liked that he taught them how to fly. I mean, he does that in the book, but I, I like him in general. Pretty sure that's mostly everyone I want to talk about except for Ezel Rib, The Lies of Keel. He is awesome. Uh, he's kind of Soren's role model without him even really knowing because uh, Lies of Keel was like, the leader in the guardians in this one really popular story that everyone would tell he didn't soren didn't know that when he got to the tree he just saw him as like this baddie old man and uh he came to find that out later but um he was kind of he was kind of soren's mentor while he was there and i i like his character too i think he's a, he's a little bit crazy and that's what i like about him he he like there was a scene where they were in the monsoon flying in the monsoon it was Gilfie, Soren, Twilight, Digger, and Otalissa, one of the members of the of the Guardians. And he was, like, shouting all this crazy stuff, like, oh, the, the swells and the baggy wrinkles and, and whatever. And they didn't know what the <laughs> heck he was talking about, because he's crazy. <laughs> Should I we have him. a study guide? <laughs> yeah, could have given us a vocabulary list. Okay, I'll talk about Soren and Clud now, <laughs> in case you haven't had enough of my rambling. No, please um, keep going. I'm ready. This is going to get to be a lot. So... Soren and Clud, apart from being great characters on their own, uh, are really, really good together. Like, their rivalry and how it affects both of them is really... It's pretty much the most well-developed character relationship in the movie. And Clud actually... I say Dick is my favorite character because he's fun and because he's cute, and that's the kind of character that I like. But I think legitimately, like, depth-wise, I think they did the best with Clud and developing him. I think Clud is the most fleshed-out character... Because from the beginning, you kind of see him forming this jealousy for Soren and how their parents look at him. And, like, he's the perfect child. He can already basically fly, and Clut is terrible at it. And I guess for that reason, he he kind of wants to be taken more seriously. 
So mm-hmm. he always tells his siblings to stop pretending, you know, tells them to grow up. Eventually, when he gets them freaking captured, and he betrays Soren anyway. Like, even after Soren, he, he was trying to help Clud learn how to fly when Clud took that as, like, oh, you're better than me. You're trying to show me, you're trying to show off. Like, he, he just fails to see that. And when they get captured, he betrays him. Mm-hmm. And it all comes crashing back down on him when Soren tries to save him again at the very end and Clud is not having it and he won't let it go uh i could say so much about this then do then say it i know but i'm all over the place i have notes written out and i'm not following them at all (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'll just start reading my notes because i will i will go nowhere if i don't it's really clear how how much soren actually cares for his brother no matter what happens uh, when they hit the forest floor, he saved them from the Tasmanian devil because they got attacked like as soon as they hit the, hit the ground. Even after they get captured and after they're at St. Aggie's, he tries to get Clud to escape with him when, when Grimble sets them free. And he stays because he knows the only people that have ever believed in him, which are now the pure ones, are there. And like his parents don't matter to him anymore because all they ever cared about was Soren. I just think it's... Oh, I just think it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, um, I definitely agree that Clud is very well developed as a character, even in the movie. Like, I've never read the books. Um, so just getting, you know, what I got, their relationship as brothers is just, I, you know, and to me, like, I got so frustrated with Soren because I was like, why are you still trying? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, and it's that's so weird for me to say because like i'm a big sister you know i have two little siblings and i would do anything for them right but like i don't know i feel like gets to a certain point like he broke the sibling code you know he like abandoned his little brother that was an exact message that you sent me you were like there's Uh, a sibling code (laughs) that's there is there's a sibling code there's like a secret unspoken bond that siblings have and you just don't you don't leave your siblings behind because after a certain point, there's no one else they really have in the world except for you. I don't know. I just feel like as as a big sister, it's my job to always be there for my little my little siblings. And like the fact that the oldest one was the one that ended up betraying his whole family. I know. Just like broke my heart. I was so sad. I was just also proud and frustrated with Soren that he kept trying. Like to the very right. last. Even as Clud was falling from the tree into the fire. He was like, "No." Yeah, don't don't you be know. sad. He he screwed you over like so many times. Yeah. I feel like that's also part of the sibling code, quote unquote, though, because, you know, I I feel like Soren would never stop caring about Clud because of that. And even if Clud would even if Clud would break that, I think Soren wouldn't, and that's why mm-hmm. he's still like that. Right. Um but definitely, definitely, Soren's uh, naivete comes into play a little bit, and he just doesn't really realize what Clud is really about now. Yeah. But still, I think I think it's mostly based on Soren's feelings that Clud will come around somehow. He just wants to believe that Clud wouldn't do that to him. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, contrast between the two characters is is really well written. Yeah. Um. Probably mostly from the source material, I'm guessing, too, you know. Oh, yeah. it's. I really want to read the books now, which is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to read 15 books, but, like, I want to. It's funny getting getting someone to watch my favorite movie ever, and then it, it makes it, like, they like it so much they want to read the books that are aimed for, like, 11-year-old audiences. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I this I felt the same way about after I finally because. I'm a fake nerd. After I finally watched all three Lord of the Rings movies, I was like, oh my God, now I want to read the books. So I went out and bought the Lord of the Rings books. Mm -hmm. And I now have them. I don't know when I'm going to read them because I bought like a big compilation novel with all three books in one. And it's like, it's like a thousand pages. Oh my God. (laughs) I don't know. I'm never going to have time to read it. But you know, I, it's the thought that counts, I guess. Is there anything else you wanted to say about characters or things you liked or Um, we get all negative (laughs) all negative oh no well not totally negative just just critical yeah i I get you yeah there was there was one or two more things uh as as it was mentioned the animation and the movement and everything is super super good and something that really added to that was the slow motion shots i thought that was awesome i lived for those the entire time it was basically not. I I mean I love this movie anyway, but it was totally like the slow motion shots kept me in. Like mm-hmm. I was waiting for the next one to come because they were so <laughs> cool every single time. Uh, I think my favorite one was in the chase scene with the bluebird at yeah. St. Aggie's. Uh, there was a scene where it, it was like two in a row. Cled was flying after someone who was ahead of him, and they flung a rock back at him, and he dodged it. That was a cool slow motion shot. But directly after that, when he's like regaining his balance, he hits a flag that's hung up, mm-hmm. but like by a stick on the edge of the cliff. And as it's coming down, he grabs it and throws it behind him. I have looked at that shot and like the composition so many times because it's so interesting. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like it's it's funny that I say that kind of because it's a kids movie. But right, this composition, like this this movie's shots are crazy. No, no, I I'm I'm. I'm laughing because I agree with you, and also it's just a- adorable. You're just I love. Oh my god! Is- stop it. <laughs> I uh, so I totally agree, and I it, it's funny because we. So I guess I probably should have explained this sooner. Basically, we watched the movie almost at the same time. I think I was like two or three minutes behind you. Yeah. Um, and I was like live blogging as I was going through, so I would send you text messages as like parts would happen and i'd be like oh no some oh no oh oh wait (laughs) you know yeah uh and so i i was talking about something uh and you were like okay get ready there's a really great chase scene coming up yeah that was the one (laughs) and so uh i just it literally it was perfectly timed because you said great there's a great chase scene and then she lets the bluebird go and i was like oh okay now i'm i'm ready yeah i just the slow motion shots i kind of wanted to like go back and like go frame by frame and watch it again yeah uh i have done that and it is just as pretty to watch yeah it's just really cool they do that a lot they did it during the um the final battle too yeah times oh my god Um, the final battle when the the uh the talent the metal talon claws are like crashing against each other and yeah what was the one there i'm pretty sure there was one shot where uh one of them has like bladed talons and it like slides along the edge of the blade and like right it sparks sparks a little bit yeah yeah that was really cool cool. i i actually i didn't write any notes on the ending scene because i was so busy watching it (laughs) yeah i was the same way i don't know that i sent you any messages for like a solid 15 minutes because i was just like i was so into it it was an awesome scene which uh leads me to the last thing i was going to talk about was uh the the last fight with Naira, Metalbeak, Soren, and Ezelrib, that was mm. really crazy. Because uh, I, I actually don't remember how that goes down in the book. Uh, they they changed so, so much from the book to the movie that I don't even remember 
I don't I don't know what's real anymore. In the movie, Soren is the one that kills Metal Beak, and I don't I don't know if that's how it was, but that was really that was really cool. That was super cool because the entire movie. Soren is not the type of character that would do that at all. I don't right. think he's ever out to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's out to save everybody. And I, I think having him kill the main antagonist is super kind of ballsy in a way. Yeah, like, well, and I think, but I think at that point it's justified because like he just watched his brother die. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's totally. It's like a revenge thing. You know what I mean? So he thinks his brother's dead. And so he's like, well, you jerk that you did this to me. So I'm going to take something. I mean, I think it's almost even not necessarily targeted at naira but like you took somebody i love from me so i'm gonna take who you love from you exactly and i just think that makes so much sense plot wise i think it's very justified and totally ballsy yes i agree it just like with a flaming branch no less i oh my know gosh i know <laughs> anyway so, i'm i'm done rambling about the things that i love we can we can be critical now if you want Okay. Well, no, I mean, we don't have to be, but I just think it's fun to, you know, poke at the holes a little bit, poke the bear, so to speak. I agree. I'm, and I'm um, not totally blind to that. I love this movie, but I know what's wrong with it. So Yeah. So care. in your opinion, what are some things that you think probably could be improved? And, and books aside, because we know that, you know, um, making a word for word adaption, movie adaption of books is really difficult as much as you can say about uh, what could be improved about this movie without saying, like, it's nothing like the books at all, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, mean? uh, I actually, I didn't really want it to be much like the books. I think having a different experience was really cool because, like you said, having a word-for-word adaptation of the books is really difficult. And mm-hmm. in a way, I think it's a little bit pointless because, like, you have the books already, and if you just go to watch a movie of exactly the book you kind of know exactly what's going to happen. And uh, even even if it is, is good, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do that. Uh, I think that if you have a, an experience that's a little bit different and it kind of changes up how these characters would act in a slightly different scenario, I think that's really interesting too. So I, I don't really hold that against the movie at all. In terms of things the standalone movie could have done differently to be better... The the plot in a couple in a couple points was a little bit lackluster. I feel like the main I feel like the main plot was like the pure ones taking over and ruling the world or whatever. But uh, there was like the subplot about the flex and uh, like these little metal flex that have magnetic properties to to owls. I don't think they did that as well in the movie. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to translate to the book if you're not going for that much of a a spot on adaptation. But I feel like that I didn't really care that much about what was going on with the flex. I didn't really see how that uh, how that mattered. Yeah, how, I don't see how yeah. that was relevant that much. There are also a couple of points where the pacing felt kind of off. Like uh, I remember one one of the first things you were messaging me in the first part between when they got to St. Aggie's and the chase scene, everyone could fly perfectly, and like there was yeah, like you were wondering how much time had gone by. And in the books, they were at St. Aggie's for a very long time. And when they moved it to the movie, obviously they couldn't do all of that. So they had to cut out a chunk and it seemed like it was only like a day. Which which didn't make any sense to me. And I think, I think if they had just put in some kind of like, it didn't even have to be very long, just a short like montage or something to show that time was going by. Or like even just like a shot of like seasons changing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like just some small scene to indicate that like 
several months had passed because I was, you know, there was a scene, uh, the scene with Grimbley bringing them to the library for the first time and teaching them to fly. And then they cut away to um, Nira teaching the, the Tidos to fly and then cut back to the library. And all of a sudden, like Soren could fly great. And I was like, okay, so how much time has passed? Yeah. You know, it literally was five minutes of the movie. Right. Um, which was just very misleading as an audience member who had never read the books before. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were there for like a couple weeks, maybe, or maybe yeah. a month. And then that the makes books. more sense, you know? Yeah. I do. I agree with the plot line of the, um, the flex. I thought it was interesting, but like, I thought they could have maybe dug into that a little bit more because I still didn't quite understand what was happening. Like what, were those four and why was it i mean it was hurting them obviously but i just right. didn't didn't understand you know and i i figured kidnapping owlets and mind wiping them <laughs> so that they could be slaves was bad enough exactly i don't um, know why they had anything else like you yeah. don't really need the flex anymore the, i think that's something that although i i said i wouldn't really go into book movie differences I think that is something that came from shortening the movie because of the books. Um, because in the books, the the pure ones were separate entirely from Saint Ajolius. It was like a separate thing. Saint Ajolius still did the the moon blinking thing and the fleck thing, but so they, they were combined them. Right, right. Okay. Um, Naira and Metalbeak were not in charge of Saint Aggies in in the books. Um, so I think when they combined those, uh, the the flecks were like a major part of the plot, and so were the pure ones. So I feel like they didn't want to get rid of either one. It would feel kind of out of place since it was so, so big to the story. So they just kind of made it a weaker point, I guess. And it didn't really come come across as strong. That makes a lot more sense now, actually. Um, I that, so that makes sense why it is, doesn't make as much sense. Right. If that makes any sense. Because they took two completely different plot lines and squished them together because they wanted to keep both. Exactly. But as I, I in the standalone movie experience... That is probably one of the reasons that people would consider part of the plot to be weaker. Right. Because it doesn't really matter what was in the books when you're watching the movie. It matters what the movie feels like. And the movie felt like it had a weak plot point, so... Oh, I wanted to just quickly... I know we're talking about the movie, but I just wanted to quickly mention that Catherine Lasky? Yeah, Catherine Lasky. Lasky, um, the author of the books, was uh, 59 when the first one was published. Really? Yeah, so basically don't give up on your dreams and you're never too old to do anything because <laughs> uh, she wrote you know 16 books and then you know ma- had a movie made about the first three so and she's 73 now that is wild anything else any closing thoughts um this is the best movie ever everyone should watch it in the whole world <laughs> i agree i think it's a beautiful movie and even if you don't watch it for any other reason than just to have a a real treat it's just a real good movie it really is Um, a treat that's such a good word for it yeah it's just it's eye candy it's ear candy it's just like sweet and good and the character interactions are great and it does not stop this movie is like it does not goes it goes so hard (laughs) it doesn't stop and it doesn't let you stop it didn't it didn't let me stop because from when I saw it as a 12-year-old to when I rewatched it a couple years ago to when I watched it again. Actually, that's another reason why I love it so much is like um, one of my friends who I made online came over for like to visit me from, from Wales, like from 
really far away. And That's awesome. this this was the first movie we watched together. And Aww. like that is another reason that that it means a lot to me and like every single time I watch this movie, I have like a bunch of different things to connect it to. Yeah. I feel like subconsciously I, I base a lot of the things I make off of it and off of the storyline so I can connect a lot of characters to mine and I can connect a lot of experiences to mine. Yeah. So it's it's really, really cool that way. So awesome. but whether you had it growing up or not, it is fantastic. Yeah, well it definitely I definitely very much enjoyed it and I only rented it to watch it, so I may actually purchase it now so that I own it because it's great. I think my siblings and I need to watch this movie together because it's it's a good time for sure. It is. Well, cool. Thank you, Parker, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This oh my was really gosh, cool. this was fun. Um, where can people find you if you want to be found? Oh my god. Okay, prepare for so many shameless plugs. I am on Tumblr at Brownie Socks. My art Tumblr is Bird Cult. I'm an artist. I don't think I mentioned that. Uh, Bird Dash Cult is my Tumblr. Bird underscore cult on Instagram. Twitter, I think, is bird underscore cult, too. Yeah, I think that's all I I think that's all I really needed. Okay, cool. And I'll put all those links in the description of the episode, if you're wondering. Okay, go uh, follow me, everybody. I'm really cool and funny, and I'm good at art. I can second that. All of that is true. Um, this has been Ink Tank. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Parker, for being here. And Absolutely. we will see you next time, I guess. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's me, Future Blue, and I'm back to give you my credits because I forgot to do them. So you can follow me, Blue, on Twitter and Tumblr at Blue Space Queen. You can also follow our podcast at Ink Tank Cast on Twitter and Tumblr, or you can go find our host website, which is www.lunarlightstudio.com, just one studio, not plural. And you can also find us on Patreon at Lunar Light Studio. We would really, really appreciate the support. It helps us pay for hosting costs and website domain fees and um, some new equipment because I'm looking to get some new equipment and that kind of thing. So any, even just a dollar donation would be super helpful. Um, and there's all kinds of cool rewards. If you go out and check our tiers, there's cool rewards for donors. And the $1 donation will give you access to our exclusive feed and also our Discord server full of fans and um, the creators of the podcasts on our network and um, you can talk to people and have friends and it's fun and cool and good. Um, also, it would be really awesome if you guys would leave us some iTunes reviews. I don't really know how the algorithm works because honestly, I don't think anybody does, but all I know is that it helps. So please leave us a review and tell people what you think of the show and um, tell your friends about it. We don't pay to advertise. I don't have any money to do that so uh, word of mouth is the best way to spread the joy around so if you guys would tell your friends about it and share it with people and reblog posts on tumblr or retweet things on twitter that would be amazing um, finally our theme song is kubrick and the beast from the album spirit phone by lemon demon and thank you so much for listening and i hope you have a great day Bye bye <laughs>